This is Bert Bollinger, editor of Hardwood Floors Magazine. The episode of the NWFA Real Answers podcast that you're listening to today is brought to you by the NWFA Emerging Leaders Council. Today we have Michael Martin and Chris Izza on the phone, and we are going to talk to them about what's going on in the world today. Thank you, Bert. Um, today, I just want to read a little bit of a briefing here because some small business owners are finding themselves in a predicament as they um, find new ways to try to keep their businesses open and while complying with the Paycheck Protection Program. So I know we've been talking a lot about getting the, the PPP in place, and now that it's actually coming into play, you know, there are some questions about guidance, and Small Business Administration keeps putting out more, more guidance. But one of the questions that's come up uh, you know, over the unemployment rate of the employees that are staying employed um, because some employees are choosing not to. So that comes into the loan forgiveness. So uh, sometimes workers are taking unemployment instead of returning to work. And in some cases, employers are offering to match or even exceed that unemployment to entice employees to come back. And that's not working. Now, I haven't actually heard of that. That's mostly from what I understand happening in, in the hospitality area and in, in in restaurants, not necessarily in the wood flooring industry, but it is something that could come up, I think. But the SBA did put out some new guidance that says that businesses that receive the PPP loans can exclude laid off employees from loan forgiveness reduction calculations if the employees turn down a written offer to be rehired. The offer must be for the same wages and the same number of hours. So if you are experiencing that or you have some folks that you perhaps laid off that don't want to come back before the June 30th deadline because the unemployment coming from uh, the additional $600 per week from the CARES Act on top of their regular unemployment is too enticing, then at least you're not going to be dinged for that on the, on the, on the SBA loan. So that was some news I wanted to pass along. How are things in your world? Can't complain, honestly. Believe it or not, I'm dealing with several calls and reach outs and emails and text messages from from the expo. And uh, it's been kind of cool. I do like that people reach out and they got real questions and um, even uh, had a couple sit downs with a couple of the guys since the expo. And um, like I said, it's informative both ways. You know, guys call me up and they have a bunch of questions and then we get into a dialogue, and I'm, I'm hearing ideas of theirs that help me as well. So uh, I can't say it, it, it has not been slow. <laughs> it's taken up some time. So what, um, is the, what are some of the questions that you're being asked? You know what? A lot of guys want to talk about margin. Um, guys want to talk about margin. Guys want to talk about where I'm getting the um, Purell hand sanitizers for our trucks. So the easy answer on that one, guys, has been I've been getting those on Amazon, and you gotta you're gonna spend 30, 40 minutes searching until you find somebody who's got inventory on them, and we got some wall mounts for the trucks. They haven't arrived to us yet, but they're gonna arrive uh, according to Amazon uh, by the 14th. So and refills I'm getting by the 7th. So the funny thing is I'm gonna get the refills before I get the actual dispensers. But this is part of the setup that we've all been talking about. You know, what are we going to do on the other side? Outside of that, let me let me share with you, Michael, one of the questions I got from the guys, uh, one of the guys, and how I answered it. And um, it's it's a little drawn out, so bear with me while I read you his question and then give you guys the answer. So. The, uh, the individual writes, you suggested targeting a 40% margin for retail and perhaps 30% margin for builders 
And when I asked around contractors with showrooms and overhead, typically mark up their pre-finished flooring they purchase around 15%, maybe 20 to 25% if it's something harder to, um, for the competition to get. And if you use these values, this translates to a margin of 13 to 20% at best. Do you mark up the difference by targeting a much larger than 40% uh, margin on labor so you get a blended margin of 40%? Well, the direct answer to I, do I make up for the difference by targeting much larger, higher margin on labor, the answer is no, I don't. The truth is either the guys you're talking to aren't being truthful with what they're getting for margin, which is not uncommon. You know, margin is something you're supposed to keep to yourself, so to speak. So if somebody is getting high margin, it would be unlikely that they want to share that knowledge with you because... If they know you're getting it, or if you know they're getting it, then you're going to get it too. And as it all creeps up, eventually, you know, that house of cards falls. I promise you, selling your product at 15% on a regular basis, oh, the only thing that's telling me is that you're selling at a client base that is all about price. And you're going to need to do some research to find those clients that are looking for the quality product where you can get a better margin. Because if you're selling at 15% and you have a problem with your product or your project and you need to offer some warranty that's coming out of your, pro out of your pocket, there just isn't enough profit margin there. I promise you that selling you know, 15 to 22% is – that's your rock bottom and there should be a few of those a year and everything else needs to be higher or you're going to have a problem. Michael, do you have anything to add into that? Do you, do you follow what I'm saying here? Guys, they get stuck in the, in the price wars, and that's not where you want your company's identity. Do you know what I mean? Right. Well, and it also doesn't matter what your competitor is charging down the street because it's always going to be less according to the customer you're talking to more than likely. So, you know, I think it's good advice to have your own business internal system on what, how, where you have to have your margin, and that's, that's where you're at. You know, interesting point there, where you have to have your margin. So let's talk about what that statement exactly means. Now, if I've got a competitor who has no showroom and no warehouse and very little overhead, the reality is he can put 15% margin on that and make money that's going in directly into his pocket, and he's fine. But what do you have for overhead is what you need to be doing with your margin. Um, a percentage of everything has to go to all your different facets of your overhead. And if if you're in such a competitive market where 20% is all you can yield, I, I promise you we need to work on who's our customer and how do we sell into that. You know, Or how are you buying? The truth is you could be getting a 20% margin, but you're paying too much for your product. So that your sell price puts you out of the market. That also happens. So you need to, when you're considering what's my margin, you have to start with how much am I paying for my product too. That's a factor. You know what I mean right. by that, Michael? Now explain that a little bit further. All right. So I had a conversation today with somebody that wants me to sell their product. 
And I said, well, what's my cost on the product? And the cost on the product was well into the eights. And they're telling me, you know, and you could sell this all day long, they're saying, for 12. Well, if I buy it for eight and sell it for 12, sure, that's a good margin. But here's the problem. I'm now talking about selling one of the highest line products out there. And you don't have that many customers that want to buy flooring for $12 a foot just for the product. So their product that they want me to buy at $8, honestly, it's starting too high. I need to buy that product closer down into the mid sixes so I can sell it for that nine or $10 number and not price out my customer. Right. That's, that's what, that's what I mean when I say, what are the factors we're talking about? We're talking about what are we paying for our product? Because when I put my margin on it, what's it going to sell for then? And have I sold myself or priced myself out of the market? That's what I mean. And one of the things you talked a little about in your presentation was the difference between markup and margin. Can we go over that again too? hundred percent. I actually got several emails from people. Um, some said, thank you for doing that exercise because when I went back and looked at how I do it, they said, I do it on markup. And as you pointed out, or as I pointed out in the presentation, markup is wrong. Margin is right. So here's the difference. Margin is done by a formula where you divide your desired margin into your cost. So you go backwards from 100. So if you want a 20% margin, you take your cost, let's hypothetically say we're buying something for $4 a foot. So you take four and you divide that by 0.8 because 20% from 100 is 80. So 0.8 gives me $5. If I bought it for four divided by 0.8 is $5. If I bought it for four and I want a 20% margin, I have to sell it for five. But I'm maintaining, if this is a builder, let's try to get 25%. So we bought it for four divided by 0 0.75, 533. That would be a better price and you're more protected. Now, if it's a builder that you're doing a lot of volume with and you're going to make 20 points with him, there's nothing wrong with that. I have builders that have asked me up front, if there's a change order in the middle, what can we expect to pay for the margin? You know, what's the profit margin going to be? And we've already agreed at 20 because we're under contract and you can't be trying to get extra margin there. So volume, guys, that's, that's fine. But let's talk about retail, full retail at 40%. You bought it for four. 40%, what's 40 from 100, that's 60. So $4 purchase divided by 0 0.60 is $6.66. Uh, I don't like 666, so I would sell that for 665, just so you know. I'm a very superstitious person. Oh, uh, you number. devil. <laughs> yeah, exactly, dude. Ain't going to happen. I'll tell you what, when I do measures, if I measure the square footage and it comes out to 666 square feet, I charge them 660 or 665 or 670. But that triple six doesn't exist in my world. Get rid of it. 
Um, so, and, and this is how you do that. Now, let's go back to mark up. I bought it for four, and I marked it up 20%. That's four times 1.20, and that gets you 480. The difference between a 20% margin and a 20% markup is 20 cents in this formula. Where's that 20 cents go? It goes towards everything that you're not calculating for on a regular basis. That 20 cents is your safety net. The difference between selling on margin and markup is minuscule, but the money adds up to protect you over time. And it's standard business, by the way. Margin is what most business practices use, unless you're talking about discount. If you're giving somebody money off, then you take 20%. And that's how the confusion happens out there, by the way. Yeah, a lot of people still selling on that. I'm sorry, Michael? No, I say I appreciate that explanation. I think it's uh, really helpful to understand what you – to have you explain it again, maybe, to even people that saw you do it before. You know, guys, use it as what I like to call – it came up in my conversation today with the flooring guy that I met with. Call it this. Just call it a tool, a business tool. And because if you're calling it a business tool, you're going to use your tools to your advantage. So margin is a business tool, guys, and you need to use it. Some of the other um, questions that came up that I got, aside from people saying, hey, can I uh, get a copy of the uh, presentation? And I directed them to, you can, you can still see the presentation at nwfa.org. Um, a couple of the guys are doing a garbage bag test, and they're already running them. Uh, this one gentleman that I spoke with, who he is, um, he's in L.A., and he's got two jobs running, and he's doing garbage bag tests on both of them. And he offered to share the results, or actually I asked him okay. to share the results, and he certainly said he would. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. Um, another caller uh, sent in this. And what he, what he wrote was, hey, great seminar. I'm stuck where you were 20 years ago in that never-ending loop. Hard to keep or find good employees. Hard to compete with the massive inferior competitors out there butchering prices. Um, so he says he remains small. Although he has a liquid company, he's staying small and wishes for, you know, like we all do, greater profits. Uh, and he plans to go back in through the NWFA programs because I actually believe greater profits do exist when you have your certifications out there on your sleeve, you know, showing people, you know, just being in the business for 20 years, that's great. But if you show that you're current, I think you have the opportunity to sell better. So, um, I know something about that never-ending loop. As a matter of fact, as I was reading his statement, his email to me, um, I was like, man, I remember it well. Uh, so this goes back to something we just said 15 minutes ago. You need to identify your customers, and you've you got to know, same thing I talked about marketing in my presentation, direct marketing to the right people means you're, you're, you're selling to people that – that care about their home, that can afford to pay for hardwood floors. Mm -hmm. you, you 
can't try to sell a hardwood floor in an entry-level home because entry-level homes, listen to the statement, entry-level. It's what they can afford for a house. They're excited just to have a house. So what's in an entry-level home is carpet, not hardwood, or it's just hardwood in a dining room. So you can't be selling at entry level. You need to sell at, you know, the upgrade level of a home. What's the, you know, what, what are people buying when they buy their upgrade house? You know, what is that in your market? In my market, entry level in the Northeast, that's a $400,000 house. And the markup and the upgrade homes are around five to 600. And then the luxury homes are around a million and then climbing beyond that. So that's how you have to think about your direct marketing. You know what I was thinking of as you were talking there is, you know, the feedback, it's interesting because, you know, I always think about uh, people coming to NWFA for hands-on training and for improving their skill set in the in the workplace more so than in the business place. But, you know, it's the things we ended up, talk, we ended up talking about, I think, with members most often are the aha moments they have when we're talking about how to run your business. And so I'm, I'm starting to think, you know, maybe we're onto something with this this virtual expo that we did. You know, we had 3,000 people come. Um, our exhibitors loaded up all kinds, 87% of them loaded up uh, products or specials. And maybe we, sh- we need to do another one that's really just focused on how to run your business and take that to a different level there. It, it, you know, obviously our investment on doing that is speakers and, and time and effort. Um, but we could do that digitally, I think, and, and really get to a lot of people that wouldn't necessarily come to a class on that if NWFA offered that outside of its expo, perhaps. No, I think you're right about it. Because, you know, and I'm seeing it in my own, you know, feed of emails and text messages from guys from all over the country asking the same questions. And they all want to talk about price and how do I arrive at my pricing. And so those of you that are doing garbage bag tests, good for you because you're going to have a starting point of a cost for supplies. You already know what your labor cost is. So now you have to add your labor cost, your cost for supplies, your overhead cost, put a margin on top of that, and ask yourself, when you do that math, what's your sell price and what are you selling at today? If they're not near each other, that could be why you're struggling with your overhead costs and and your profitability because you never really understood how much you were spending. Now, understand this. If you run the formula of my labor cost, my, my supply cost, and my overhead cost, and I put what ZZA says or what industry – don't go by ZZA. <laughs> it, let's say what industry says is a proper margin. If you're far apart there, then there are two things you can do. The first is raise your prices. And if you're doing some windshield time listening to this and you're looking out the window now going, yeah, easier said than done, fine. Then the second thing you can do is examine your costs. Are we wasting money somewhere? When you did the garbage bag test, did you find excessive use of edger paper? Did you have 15 or 20 pieces of edger paper? When you looked at them, they really weren't that burned out because – Maybe somebody's not caring about what they're going through in their supplies. Just saying. Also look at how you buy those supplies. 
again, in my talk, I, I, I said, do you direct ship or do you onesie-twosie pick up a box of edge of paper? Because buying edge of paper by the pallet is certainly cheaper than buying edge of paper by the box. So those are some of the considerations out there. And, Michael, I think you're right. The more we could expand on digitally and have some uh, go-to-meetings and teach some of these things, or maybe not even teach them, maybe we need an open forum discussion where we can do a half-hour Q&A, put it out there, and, and be prepared with the answers and give them. Yeah, because, like a lot. Uh, people want them. I think we could come up with a format, get a bunch of questions, talk about the answers, and then go on and answer them and have – you know, I love the way Sharon moderates things, and she brings in and says, well, this question just came through to what you just said, Chris, and how can we do that? Right. I think I think we could get some headway there, man, and I'd be happy to be a part of it. All right. Well, let's, let's think about that overnight, and we can talk more about it on tomorrow's call. I like it, man. We got somewhere to go here with the NWFA. I really enjoy the way they're embracing their members. And I sound like a commercial and a broken record when I say it, but thank you because what you're doing is helping. I'm seeing it every day in my email and my phone call and my text messages. People are listening and they're getting somewhere. And now's the time to shape your business because on the other side of this is how you have to show people who the professional, uh, what the professional you're going to be is. And uh, I'm looking forward to it at CNR, and I hope you are in your market. So, guys, that's it for me today. Keep it real out there, and I hope this is helping you because it's definitely helping me. All right. Well, Mike. Thanks, Chris. Take care of yourself. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Back to you, Bert. <laughs> well, Michael, Chris, thanks for your time today, and thank you to the listeners out there for joining us. If you have any topics that you want us to cover right now, please let us know. I've put my contact information in the podcast description, and we look forward to your input. And as always, stay safe, and we'll talk again soon.